three seconds of life. I'm sitting here like holding my breath for three seconds and Alma just is staring at me like five, six, seven. Hi, everybody. I'm Yvette. This is Alma. And this is Tipsy, Tipsy Tales. All right. So it's been a little bit of a week. It really has been. Just a bit. So we finally... Um, published our first five episodes and you can catch them on iTunes, on Spotify, on TuneIn and Stitcher so far. Awesome. Yeah, girl, when you said when I was I actually did what let's try that again. <laughs> That's too early for edits. Right. <laughs> um, so anyways, yeah, I listening it listening to wow. Listening to it for the first time, it it totally just drove me crazy. I hate the sound of my voice. And I totally forgot that you don't really get to I'm doing all the editing, right. so you don't get to hear them like ten thousand times. <laughs> I've kindly finally like, you know, I hate hearing the sound of my own voice, but like I've learned to disassociate. <laughs> I go into another, like, realm. You send it to me. I played it on my computer. I heard my voice for the first time. Got up, walked out, closed the door. <laughs> it's Sat very humbling. There, paced around a little bit, came back, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I sound like that. <laughs> oh, wow. So what are we drinking tonight? Oh, we are drinking a local beer. This wasn't the intent. Um, I actually wanted to do something from Philly, one of my local breweries, but we, um, well, local brewery in Philly, but um, I just, I just didn't end up doing that. So we'll have to do that at another time. Maybe right. we'll do a beer week. Well, we are Ooh. doing a beer week. We are doing a beer week. So, anyways, we have um, Oak Creek Canyon Brewing. It's a Heffenweizen, which Lord knows if I'm saying that right. Heffenweizen. Sure. <laughs> Half a who? <laughs> so, um, if you ever make it to Sedona, there's a really nice, um, cute little brewery. It's nothing fancy. Um, it's they have a they have this they have a really nice brewery in a couple of the restaurants. But this is the first brewery. Again, nothing fancy. You literally walk in. There's a window where you can order some Mexican food and a very short menu at that. And then you literally go sit over there at this small brewery with like four or five tables and you order your beer but the beer's lovely really where was this at is it in oak creek or is it like it's in sedona oh it's in sedona yeah so it's you know where that main um part is where we went and had lunch that one time we took off on that trip yeah like across the street from oaxaca yeah so it's not there but you (laughs) (laughs) are you remembering the time you almost died yes i We went, wait, oh God, that trip was unbelievable. She called, okay, let's try that again. So we, so Alma, Sergio was leaving out of town for work and Alma um, texts me. She's like, so what are you doing tomorrow? And I'm like, well, nothing, cleaning my house, doing stuff I want to catch up on. She's like, oh, so do you want to go to, to go a hike, go for a hike in Sedona? And I'm like, yeah. So I get there early in the morning. We take off over there. We laugh the whole way through. Went on a real, real, real strenuous hike about not even a quarter mile in, stuck our feet in the water at the creek. Yeah, it was super strenuous. And sat there for like three hours. Finished that was our hike. God. And that hike was, it was not even a half a mile. It was the West Fork Trail, if anybody goes up there. It's, it's beautiful. It's like my favorite trail up there. I agree. That's, I totally agree. It's beautiful. It's lovely. And it was fun. And we had a good time, and then we came back, and Yvette almost died. Twice. (laughs) Twice. Yes. Yes, twice. (laughs) Only once. It was twice. The one time in the car (laughs) that I posted pictures of that corner, second time is when you went to the restroom, and the dogs, and left me by myself, maybe erase that restroom part, but you left me by myself. In, in your house and all of a sudden your dog comes burr, 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 scared me I jumped up ran outside left my purse my phone everything and it almost comes out to see me up against the, the, the sliding door I'm looking at her like Alma Alma it was like a Lucy episode Ethel and Lucy oh, is it you were Lucy that time we trade off but 
that time you were definitely Lucy. Oh my god. She started she was sending me memes all week of whooping window liquors. <laughs> God. Yeah, I it did. was a fun day. It though. was a great day. It Aside was... from me almost killing you, <laughs> and then my dogs almost eating you. They almost ate me, man. <laughs> I think you exaggerate just a little. Not even. I jumped up, ran outside. I was like, "Fuck that! Leave my purse, my phone, everything. Bye." <laughs> I'm waving my arms in the air. <laughs> help! Help! I'm really liking this beer. This beer is pretty awesome. Actually. We started a little bit early. We yes. had some technical difficulties today, so um, we were working our way through those and drinking beers. So yeah, um, we're Salud. a little bit more for posting up our podcast this week. Yeah, stressful, a little stressful, but you know we're getting good feedback. And thank you for everybody who has given us feedback. I do appreciate it. All our friends and stuff. Um, yeah, we can't thank you guys enough for listening. Yes, thank you guys. <laughs> we appreciate you guys so much. Yes, we do. Even if you lied to us. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> Ooh, beer. All right, who's going first today? Well, I actually had a couple things. Um, before we go on, I know we tend to be a little... We talk too much. <laughs> we do tend to be a little bit... Long-winded. There you go. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> we like to chew the fat. Girl, I don't sleep. Uh, I, I, I'm just a mess. So speaking tends to be a challenge for me sometimes. <laughs> uh, as evidenced by the last five episodes, we tend to be a hot mess. <laughs> so I have a story before we go, before we start off. Um, so my daughter's in Spain and so, um, my mom is looking at her IG and so she calls me. She's like, Yvette, I can't see Talia's pictures. And I'm like, mom, they're right there. And she's just like, no, 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 no. You said she was, she recorded flamenco dancing. And I'm like, yeah, it's on her, it's on her story. She's like, I don't see your pictures. And I'm like, okay. So I sit there on the bed and I'm like, okay, mom. So see Talia's um, profile? She's like, yes. I'm like, click on it. And she's like, I'm clicking on it. And I'm like, see that little circle right there? She's like, yes. And I'm just like, click it. And she's like, what circle? I'm like, it's a little circle right there, mom. She's like, I don't see a circle. I don't see a circle. And I'm just like, it's right there, mom. She's like, I don't see a circle. So what do I do? <laughs> I take a picture of it, send it to her message. I'm like, check your messages. I put a circle around the circle and I put an arrow. So where she, you know, it's very simple for her to be able to just click on the circle and see Talia's story. So I'm like, do you see it? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, press a circle she's like okay I keep pressing it nothing's happening and I'm just like mom it's a little it's a little purple circle she's like nothing's happening I keep pushing it you I see the circle I see the arrow you pointed to that and I'm just like mom that's that's a that's a that's a picture of what you're supposed to push please go back to IG and do the same thing oh my god (laughs) okay wait the screenshot of what you sent her she's clicking the circle and I'm just like, go back to IG, Your mama. she's just like, I get a chingada. She gets all upset. I, Michael. She starts calling for my brother. And I'm like, mom, it's okay. Take a deep breath. She's like, Michael's not even here. And I'm like, yes, mom. I said, just, just, just go to IG. Push the circle. And so she finally figures it out and watches it. She's like, I just don't understand this. Stuff. <laughs> Your mom's so cute. Oh, she cracked me up. I, I have to tell you that I'm like living vicariously through Talia's oh my gosh, Instagram stories. Me. I love it. Same girl, same. One of these days. I'm telling you, we're going to go to Scotland. Scotland. And then we'll do like the rest of Europe. Sure. I want to do Scotland and like England and Ireland. Girl, I want to go to Spain. I'm not going to I lie. do. I do. Definitely. Spain is. Apparently we have a castle named after, uh. My maiden name, really? Avila Castle. Really? My dad likes to, he used to like to talk about that all the time. <laughs> when you go to Spain, you got to go check out the Avila Castle. <laughs> it's ours. <laughs> There's also an Avila Beach in California, and Damn. they were always talking, it's Avila Beach. You guys got to get out there. So. We got to actually go there and take a picture. We do. We so, do. Yeah. So, which one about, oh, you said you had another story. You said you had a couple. 
Oh, I had another one. Oh, well, I guess it don't really matter now. Um, you good? I'm good. I'm good. I think you should go first. Okay. It was real sad right now. I had to take my post-it off my page. Why? And I post it because I had my, I had put on here the Philly beer that I was going to buy. So I went to like rip the post-it off. It ripped my page oh. off. <laughs> That's funny. Like, you're gonna cry. <laughs> I'm gonna try my sorrows in my mirror. Okay, let's both do that. All right, but um, bump, bump. All right, let's do it. All right, let's try to <laughs> look at my, oh, look at my baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I peeled the first. I gotta take a picture. Hold on. <laughs> All right, so I take a picture of that really quick. <laughs> It, we'll have to post that next week on, on Tipsy Tuesday. You're like, you're laughing at a torn page. <laughs> it was funny when it happened. Okay? Don't judge us. <laughs> you're maybe going to be like, you're going to be listening to it tomorrow. You're like, how fucking drunk were we? <laughs> I don't have to go to work tomorrow. You do. <laughs> I'm so sad. I'm telling you, I have to hold my paper down. <laughs> okay, it's silly, but whatever. Okay. All right. <clears throat> serious time what are we talking about okay so we actually are doing a a story um it's called boy in the box you heard this one before no i'm already like oh god yeah okay. so i haven't had enough beer for this all right want to take a drink of us cheers quick. not cheers but well, yeah. okay let's do it all right, so I'm going to be reading a little bit because I did actually prepare for this earlier this week when it was a little bit more fresh, but a couple days has gone by. Um, a little anxious with everything dropping at one time, so okay. On February 1957, a little boy's naked body was inside of a cardboard box, which would, which once contained a bassinet of a kind sold at JCPenney's. Um, he was wrapped in a blanket and found in the woods off of Suquahana Road in Fox Chase, Philadelphia. So I'm not sure that's how you actually pronounce it, but I actually phonetically put it on here so I could try to say it right. Um, it looks like the little boy's hair had been recently cropped, um, possibly after he already was was gone. Um, they said that clumps of his hair clung to his body as well. They said um, his nails were neatly trimmed. He had deep bruises covering most of his body, face, and they actually speculated um, that due to the cold weather, he may have been lying in the box between two um, and three days. It could be between two to three days, or it could even have been as long as two to three weeks. Wow. He showed signs of severe um, malnourishment, um, as well as surgical scars on his ankle and his groin. An L-shaped scar under his chin. Um, they said he was probably between three and seven years old, but they couldn't quite um, tell because he was just, he wasn't eating well, just malnourished. They couldn't actually determine a, an exact age. What year was this again? I'm sorry. He 1957. Okay. Um, he, I guess they said that an, a young boy had originally found him. Um, because he was emptying muskrat traps, but that he didn't report it because he was afraid that those traps would be confiscated. Um, turns out that another college student had actually found him a few days later. Oh, my God. So, during the investigation, they said that the, they took his fingerprints. And so, they were kind of optimistic that he would be identified because of that. However, nobody um, ever came forward with any identity or any useful information they said that the local newspaper distributed about 400,000 flyers um, with, depicting the boy's likeness so the local newspaper distributed about 400,000 flyers depicting the boy's likeness which flooded the area and were included in every gas bill in Philadelphia so they were making every effort in order so to try no, to identify like, missing this children boy. in the area no, that they could actually you know put on that this is the boy who belonged to somebody and, right so the crime scene was combed over and over again um, by almost 300 police recruits. They had actually discovered a child's blue corduroy cap, a child's scarf and a handkerchief, but that actually led nowhere. The police even went as far as to distribute postmortem photographs of the boy fully dressed in a seated position um, and in regards to what he might have looked like, looked like alive and hoping that they would actually get a clue or a tip or somebody would recognize him. Right. So, little boy was actually never identified, um, but a couple of theories actually came up on where he might have come from. 
One of them is um, a foster home. Um, Bremantine Bristol, an employee of the medical examiner's office, who was who just would not give up on this case whatsoever. He actually um, investigated and followed up leads up until his death in 1993. So he, it was what, almost about 40 years at that point. Um, he actually contacted a New Jersey um, psychic who told him to look at a house um, that matched the foster home. When the psychic was actually brought to Philadelphia um, to the site where he had been found, she had actually led um, that medical examiner to the foster home. So when upon attend, so I guess they actually went over there. They attended an estate sale for that foster home. The um, medical examiner discovered a bassinet similar to the one sold at J.C. Penney's, and he also had discovered a blanket blankets hanging on the clothesline that were similar to the one in which the boy had been wrapped in. Um, he also believed that the boy belonged to the stepfather of the man who ran the foster home and that they disposed of him, of his body, so that the stepdaughter would not be exposed as an unwed mother in the 50s. Um, he theorized that the boy's death had been an accident. Despite the circumstantial evidence, though, the police were not able to find any definite links between the boy in the box and the foster family. I, they said in 1998, Philadelphia Police um, Lieutenant Tom Augustine, who was in charge of the investigation, and several members of the Vidoke Society, and I guess it's a group of retired policemen and profilers, interviewed the foster father and stepdaughter, who he actually married later on, which Ew. I thought was gross in itself. Um, the Is interview this in seemed Philadelphia? To, yeah. In the 90s, gross, so not that long ago. The interview seemed to confirm that the family was not, the family was not involved in the murder, and the foster home investigation was closed because they did DNA on the stepdaughter, and that was not it was not he was not the mother. She was not the mother. Let's try that again. She was not the mom. <clears throat> Another theory was that um, a woman named Martha or M, she came forward in two thousand two. Another theory is that a woman um, named Martha, or they identified her as M, um, told a story that was plausible, um, but her her testimony was kind of troublesome because she had a history of mental illness. Um, she had actually claimed that her abusive mother had actually purchased the unknown boy, who she said his name was Jonathan, from his brother's parents in the summer of 1954. She said the boy was subjected to extreme physical and sexual abuse for two and a half years. One evening at dinner, the boy vomited his meal of baked beans and was given a severe beating, um, with, his, with his head slammed up against the floor until he was semi-unconscious. God. He was also given a bath, um, dr given a bath during which he died. Um, these details matched inf information only known to the police, as a coroner had found out that the boy's stomach contained the remains of baked beans, and his fingers were water were wrinkled from the water. So he died in the bathtub. That's what. That's one of the theories. Um, Did he drown? They didn't say. I think actually, the, from what they alluded to, is he actually was died from the severe beating that he oh, had okay. actually given him. So they had actually beat him to death. Um, so then um, M's mother then cut the boy's distinctive long hair, um, accounting for the unprofessional haircut, which I had mentioned in the beginning of the story, um, that they had noted when they had initially started investigating. Um, she cut it in, order for, in an effort to conceal his identity. M's mother then forced M to assist her in dumping the body in Fox Chase area. She went on to say that they were preparing to remove the boy's body from the trunk of the car and a passing motorist pulled alongside to inquire whether or not they needed help. Um, M was ordered to stand in front of the car's license plate to shield it from the view while the mother convinced the would-be Good Samaritan that there wasn't any problem and that they didn't need any help. The man eventually drove off. His story corroborated confidential testimony given by a male witness in 1957 who said that the body had been placed in the box previously discarded at the scene. God. Um, in, spite of, in spite of outward plausibility, um, M's confession, police were unable to verify her story. Neighbors who had access to M's house during, this, during the time she stated this all happened denied that there had ever been a young boy living there, and they, so they dismissed her claims as, as just ridiculous, and she was right. just making stuff up. The other theory is that a forensic artist, Frank Bender, developed a theory that the victim may have been raised up as a girl which also accounts for the for the haircut it looks like the haircut had been performed like quickly like maybe 
post-mortem, obviously, um, just to kind of hide the identity. They, they noted that not only was his haircut kind of cut quickly and you could tell that they had actually noticed that his eyebrows had been styled. Which what? is kind of strange, yeah. They later released a sketch of an unidentified child with long hair, reflecting the strands found around the body. In 2016, two writers from La- two writers had actually believed they discovered the potentially potential identity of this child, um, sourcing a family from Memphis, Tennessee. So they had actually requested the DNA to be compared between the family members and the child. It looks like the lead was was originally discovered by a Philadelphia man and then developed and presented with help with the help of one of the writers to the uh, Philadelphia Police Department in early 2013. So uh, towards the end of 2013 in December, um, the Philadelphia Police actually agreed to, to agreed with the evidence that they had actually um, received to do DNA on this uh, Memphis family and to see if they would able to to link it to this boy in the box um, by but at the end of the day it, it wasn't a match either so they actually took that took that family off the board of being part of that murder as well right. so like I had mentioned they actually never found um, out who he was they never found out who his family was initially he was actually buried in a potter's field Aww. in 1998 his body was exhumed for the purpose of ex- you know of taking his DNA to have it on file um, which they actually obtained from one of his teeth. He was then reburied at an Ivy Hill Cemetery in Cedarbrook, Philadelphia, which um, which somebody had donated a large plot for him to be able to be buried. So the coffin actually at the cemetery was also donated by the son of the man who actually buried the boy in 1957. There was significant public attendance and media coverage for the reburial. Um, the grave has a large headstone bearing the words, America's Unknown Child. It says city residents keep the grave decorated with flowers and stuffed animals. Aww. So, I have to tell you, I'm not really liking these, these <laughs> stories know. about the kids. I know. They I just really like get me. I know. And it's sad because, I mean, you think with all the technology that we have now with, you know, for as far as we've actually come that we could actually have a child that's still there's nothing in the database showing who he belonged to. Right. That he was just so lost um, from wherever he came from that they still can't identify who he is. So sad. All right. So on to lighter things. All right. Kind of. Okay. So my story is um, we're going to Ireland. Ooh. I want to go to Ireland. I want to go to Ireland. I'm I want to really- kiss the Blarney Stone. <laughs> <laughs> We want to go to Scotland, and we want to go to Ireland. I just want to do that bar crawl. Oh, the pub crawl? In Scotland, or? Both, sure. In Ireland. In Dublin. I'm thinking more Scotland. Isn't that the end? Is it the end yeah, of the world? Yeah, you're thinking of, um, oh my God. End of I the can't... line, end of the world. Yeah, the end of the world. Bar. But you have to have, like, one drink at, like, all 52 of them, right? No, I'm just guessing. I have no idea if that's a real number or not. I'll think of the name of it. I'll <laughs> be stumbling and crawling. <laughs> One more bar. One more. <laughs> Will we make it that far, though? I feel like Girl, I, I feel like I'm doing this and I'm drinking now because I'm training. We're just gonna call it that. We're training. We're training. Sure. We're training our livers not to run away from us. <laughs> Girl, <laughs> to leave our bodies. To get out. <laughs> no, not again. Our livers are going to be in the deep, dark place. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, like I said, we're going to Ireland. Um, my story is actually on Loftus Hall. Okay. Um, it's a large country house located on the Hook P- Peninsula of southeastern Ireland in County Wexford. In the beginning, all the way back to 1170, it was called Redmond Hall. Okay. So Raymond Redmond Fitzgerald. Say that ten times fast. <laughs> well, it's better this one than this one. Also referred to as Raymond LaGrosse. Dang. Which means the fat. <laughs> I gotta be like, Mr. LaGrosse. <laughs> Mr. LaGrosse. You gross. <laughs> 
Um, he landed at what is known as Bag and Bun, actually named after two of his ships, La Bag et Le Bon. Le Bon. La Bouche. Roughly translated, and I had to go on to Google Translate, <laughs> The Ring Google. and The Good. Okay. So, La Bon, The Good. La, la, la Bog. La, la Bag. La Bog? I have no idea. Oh, the, the Ring. Okay. A famous location in Iron... Let me try that again. <laughs> Hold on, clink. All right. Okay, somebody actually suggested that every time we mess up or do something, we should tell our listeners to drink. And that could get pretty dangerous, especially when I'm Rake. telling my story. <laughs> I'm going to drink. Hold on. Good stuff. Yeah. Which one is this one? This Is this the blonde? No, that's the Heffenweissen. Heffenweissen. Yes, ma'am. I'm going to have to do a German story. It's a wheat beer. Aren't they all wheat beers? Sure. <laughs> I have no idea. You ask me about wine, I'll tell you all day long. You ask me about beer, and I'm like, mm, yum. I forgot. When I first met you, you didn't drink beer. No, I didn't. Just I didn't actually didn't drink beer forever. Hated it. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. And then we went to Philly this um, for one of our friends' weddings, and I tried my beer there, which I'm gonna introduce later on in future episodes. And so, um. It was like two beers in one. It was fabulous. And so on a nice hot day by the pool, I'm grabbing a beer. You are a beer convert. Yeah, a little bit. Just a little bit? Yeah, okay. just, just a lot. <laughs> <laughs> this much? They really call it a cab ride or something like that where you have a shot of whiskey and a beer. And I'm going to tell you, in the summertime. Where'd you have that? In Philly? Mm-hmm. They called it a cab ride, car ride, cab I don't know. Sergio knows. I don't know. I, I just know. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds more like it. Because I'm like, huh? It's, it's fabulous. I mean, one I'm of these shots. You. I'm going to believe these. you. One of these nights, we'll have to do that. Okay. It'll be like, not while we're doing our story. Again. Yeah, no, not while Sorry, we're I'm doing on. our stories. Because that'll completely derail us. <laughs> we'll fall you think into it's bad now? <laughs> okay, so back, okay, so back to Loftus Hall. And... Raymond Legros. Legros. The fat. The fat. The fat. El gordo. El gordo. Let's el gordo. El gordo. <laughs> I think you should from now on. Okay. All right. El gordo. A famous location in Irish history known as the place where Ireland was lost and won. So that's talking about uh, Bag and Bun. Okay. He was among the first wave of Norman knights who helped enforce uh, Norman rule over England. He acquired lands in the area. And in 1350, his descendants built a castle referred to as the Hall or okay. Redmond Hall, but mostly as the Hall. The Hall. I don't know why when you say the Hall, it reminds me of the Keep. The Keep. <laughs> the Keep. The Keep. It's not the same. No? No. All right. So the Hall remained with the Redmond family until the Irish Confederate Wars. Um, Alexander Redmond, who was in his late 60s, managed to protect the Hall in one certain skirmish against 90 English soldiers. Apparently with just his two sons, some tenants and a couple of soldiers and a tailor. Damn. So they were able to stave off a few more attacks before he eventually made favorable ter- favorable terms with um, Cromwell, Oliver Cromwell. Okay. Um, he was able to stay in the home until his death in 1651, and then it was confiscated and his family was evicted. Um, and I think they were allowed to have a few, like, uh, homes, like, as tenants. And Yeah, because don't, like, wasn't it when they had land, um, it was like, and bear with me because my all of my knowledge is pretty much comes from the Outlander books. <laughs> <laughs> Huge fans of Outlander. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like they have their homes, but then they have a bunch of tenants. I know what you mean. I got you. I got you. I'm on board. Okay. The hall was put up for auction in 1666. Okay. He was able to stay in. Oh. He was able to stay in the home until his death in 1651. And oh, I think I already read this. And then. In, it was confiscated and his family was evicted and the hall was put up for auction in 1666. Nicholas Loftus, originally from Yorkshire, England, purchased it and named it Loftus Hall. His son Henry moved in eventually and it became the principal residence of the family. 
The family rose in prestige, and then around 1870, the most honorable John Henry Wellington Graham Loftus, the fourth Marquis of Eli. God, is he Mexican that has like 17 different names? <laughs> We're just going to call him Johnny Loftus. All right. He undertook an extensive renovation from top to bottom. It was in hopes that Queen Victoria would be enticed to visit. However, that never panned out. So you can see the time frame here. Yeah. Have you watched Victoria? You know what? That's another one that I've been meaning to you watch. Have to I watch just have Victoria. Haven't. And I and I honestly I, I you know what? I watched the Bowen sisters. The who? The oh, Bolin. oh yeah. Bolin. <laughs> Anne Bolin. Yeah, I actually loved that movie to be real honest with you. Um I owned it and somehow I think it got shuffled into the pile that needed to be sold and I never found it again but I gotta say that's probably one of one of my favorite movies I love period dramas Same. no matter what yeah um so yeah you have to watch Victoria you'll love it okay it's on uh Masterpiece Theater PBS Hulu I don't know I gotta check that because I yeah. know I'm disconnected from the main well I think you can go on and buy them oh can you okay yeah you can go on and buy them um so, like I said, it was in hopes that Queen Victoria would pay them a visit, and she never showed up at any time. But um, before that, no expense was spared. The hall was made more grand than before, and apparently it was demolished oh, shit. and rebuilt from top to bottom. Some of the sites that I went on said that that wasn't the case, that um, there's elements of the original house okay. that remained. Um, so I couldn't really get a... I couldn't clarify that. So just a quick question. So, you know how, and bear with me, this is, I get my history from movies. <laughs> but did, was she, was she like a, was he a descendant or a cousin of Victoria? I mean, what would made him, what would make him think that she would actually go visit him? I think just because they were like, they had begun to move high up in the, the ladder. Social ranks of, or the whatever. social ranks. Um, I think it was just in hopes. They're like, oh, there's this grand house. Let's go visit it. You know. Yeah. Um, and apparently it was. Okay. Um, I'll tell you right now. Okay. Um, like as I said, um, no expense was spared. The hall was made more grand than before and apparently demolished. And re- okay. They erected a three-story mansion wow. with a balustrade parapet. I don't know if that's how you actually say that, parapet. I, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> you know when you like hear words and then you, you read words? Like I was saying facade for facade for the longest time. <laughs> That it was facade. <laughs> I do that all the time. I actually, that's why I phonetically wrote out this, this, this city in, in Philadelphia. I'm like, Saswahana. <laughs> I put it on that Google. I'm like, how do you say it? Just like, Susquahana. <laughs> Which somebody from Philly is going to be like, translate. no, bitch. No, 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 no. This is how you say it. Google Translate is my friend. <laughs> Let me just tell you. Because, you know, you read a lot and you don't really, like... And I've heard people say facade. I just never had to, like, spell it. It was never right. on a spelling test, okay? So, anyways. You're like, shut up! <laughs> Silence! I kill you! All right, so... It boasted an ornate mosaic floor in a grand staircase case that uh, probably would make Scarlett O'Hara blush. And I looked it up. It was it was pretty nice. Really? Yeah. Um, Hand carved by an Italian craftsman. Definitely fit for a queen. The queen yes. that never showed. <laughs> uh, a fact which caused deep to poison. <laughs> Oh my god, I thought I thought I put it down. I did, I did. Oh wait, that's not Elmer. Too many cartoons. Oh my goodness. Growing up. <laughs> I just can't even right Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm honestly crying. That's why we do my stories last so we can laugh. Oh my goodness. 
yourself together, woman. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, that was pretty fucking funny. <laughs> alright, alright. <laughs> Shake Deep it off. Breath. Shake it off. Alright, so now. <laughs> Facilitate that for Why, you. thank you, Alma. Okay. All right. Whew, let's try so that now again. we're getting on into the meat and potatoes of my story. Okay. Um, the Tale of a Dark Stranger. In the mid-1600s... Stranger. Okay. Ooh, we should have that night. Dang it. All right. Okay. Mid 1600s, right. Charles Tottenham married Anne Loftus, the daughter of the first Viscount of Loftus. They had six children, and then she, um, she became ill and passed away. He then married his cousin Jane Cliff. The hell? As you do. <laughs> oh my <God>. No. <laughs> Apparently. Back then, in the 1600s. <laughs> You marry your cousin. Or you marry your stepdaughter. I don't know, man. I don't know. They did weird shit, man. Yeah, they did. Apparently we did that <laughs> in Alabama. In Alabama. There's no all my story earlier. That's what it said. Remember, they were trying to get... No, whatever. It's <laughs> No, it's in the past. Let's it's in the past. Move all on. Right. Move forward. And then they lived in Loftus Hall along with his daughter, Anne. Um, one night during a storm, of course... All these stories happen during a storm. Of course. Exactly. Uh, a ship arrives unexpectedly at the Hook Peninsula, and a young man makes his way in the storm to Loftus Hall. He knocks on the door and asks if he can take shelter there. I guess it wasn't uncommon for ships to run aground in the rough waters that are, um, I guess, they get shattered on the rocks and yeah. whatever. The strange stranger ends up staying for several weeks. During his time... He, he and Charles' daughter, Anne, become very close. Very scandal. close. Scandal. Total scandal. Um, they spent hours together. Oh, I bet. Cochina. <laughs> <laughs> <Quachina. laughs> so, one night, while they were playing cards, she leans under the table to retrieve... To retrie- <laughs> Let me what try that again. <laughs> what did she retrieve under the table? <laughs> Let me try that again. One night, while they were playing cards, she leans under the table to retrieve a dropped card and notices that the stranger has a cloven foot. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. What is it with card games the double? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to be playing any card games anytime soon. Okay, of course, she screams, and this causes a stranger to reveal his true form as the devil. Okay. He transforms into a ball of fire and shots straight up through the roof, leaving behind the smell of brimstone. That's a little dramatic, right? Very. like <laughs> It's like a novella. <laughs> I must go. <laughs> you found me out. Uh, soon after, Anne's mental state declined. You know, after you realize you've been diddling with the devil <laughs> how come I didn't know those cloven feet before I don't think she was looking at his feet she just thought it was like he had nasty ass toenails or something maybe he wore boots I, <laughs> I'm just I'm thinking of Outlander I'm thinking about puss in boots oh. Like the wedding night on Outlander when Jamie and her, like, and he's still wearing the temples. <laughs> like, take off your boots. <laughs> I'm more of a leave them on kind of person. <laughs> okay, bet. Wow. <laughs> that was way too much. What is this? What is this beer called? 
<laughs> okay. So her family, ashamed of her current state, end up locking her away in the tapestry room, which is said to have been her favorite room. She remained there until her death in 1775. Before her death, she sat with her knees under her chin, staring out the window toward the sea. And she stayed that way. Unable to straighten out her body, that's how they buried her. Oh, shit. Yeah. It is believed that the stranger returned to torment the family in the form of poltergeist activity. No, I felt poltergeist. <laughs> Y'all, not in my house. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, all right. So here's some of the accounts of the poltergeist activity that took okay. place. Um, the first one, and I, I kind of just copied and pasted these off directly off the site. Um, the first one was the father of the Reverend George Reed stayed with a large party at the hall sometime about 1790 and was given the tapestry chamber to sleep in. Something heavy left upon his bed, growling like a dog. The curtains were torn... Oh my god. The curtains were torn back and the clothes stripped from the bed. Ooh. The clothes stripped from the bed? What? I guess, you know, sometimes you put your... The clothes? Maybe that's what they called them back then, the clothes. Okay. Like the, the bed clothes. The bed clothes. I have no idea. <laughs> you just see your face right now. <laughs> says, uh, the curtains were torn back and the clothes were stripped from the bed, suspecting that some of his companions were playing tricks. He shouted to warn them and they then fired his pistol up the chimney to frighten them. Why? Uh, okay. <laughs> just open the door and say, shut the fuck up. Shoes <laughs> <laughs> at the Leave wall. Leave me the hell alone. <laughs> <laughs> A lotion bottle. Okay. <laughs> Who's counting? <laughs> uh, I can't tell that story. We can't maybe later. Them, maybe later. <laughs> All right. He then searched the room and, of course, found nothing. The door was locked as if he had left it on getting into the bed. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, huh? Um, and then the second account was some years later when the second Marquis of Eli, who succeeded in 1806, was at the hall, his valet Shannon was put in the tapestry chamber and woke the whole household by his scream in the night. The curtains of the bed, he said, had violently torn back and he saw a lady dressed in a stiff brocaded silk. He fled in terror. Yeah? Hell yeah. You think, you think I would too. Mm-mm. <laughs> I'm already scared if you're like well you're talking poltergeists ghosts I'm getting ready to hide underneath your desk you should see a picture of this house I'll have to show you okay or look it up Loftus House on your phone I have like 6% on my phone right look (laughs) don't you have a picture right there though I thought I saw it did I oh I did take a picture oh no it wasn't it's not that it's not that I'll I'll show you that in a minute okay I I should have took a picture of the house you know did they actually do a um my God, weather, uh, Weatherfield Heights here? Weathering? Weathering, sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I totally want to go there. A nice house. It's a beautiful house. An official, unofficial star of horror. It's a pretty scary, intimidating looking house if it's you think about also. what's happened in there. All right. And then another count says, after further period... George Reed and his father were staying at the hall. Uh, George knew nothing of of his father's earlier experience and chose the tapestry chamber. Everybody ends up back in that room. (laughs) I mean, if you look at the house, it looks like there's like 17,000 rooms in there. Yeah, but everybody ends up in the tapestry chamber. But you know what, though? Maybe, I mean, if there's some truth behind that story, maybe it's something that draws people to that room. Could be. Dun, dun, dun. Or maybe like they had big parties and just somebody ended up in that room. Maybe. So anyways, he chooses the tapestry chamber as his bedroom, and one bright moonlit night, he sat up late reading an article in Blackwood's magazine when he saw the door open and a tall lady in a stiff dress pass noiselessly through the room to a closet in the corner where she disappeared. For some reason, the idea of a ghost never entered his head. What? Girl, that freaks me out. That okay, that must have been some party. <laughs> That he and he didn't even like think it was a ghost. Girl, he was like, drunk as hell. You know that he's, he's like, like, oh hi, oh. <laughs> hey girl. <laughs> Go ahead, sleep in my closet. <laughs> uh, okay, so he just goes to sleep. 
<laughs> he's like, okay, you're going to sleep in there? I'm sleeping on the bed. I'll be over here. He's like, wait, did I see what I thought I saw? I'll figure it out in the morning. Okay, so the next night, the experience was repeated. He rushed towards the lady, threw his right arm around her, and exclaimed, Ha! I have you now! <laughs> Hark, who goes there? Okay, his arm passed through her and came with a thud against the bedpost. Oh my god, I thought you were going to say he hit himself. I was going to be like... His arm was like... Smacked himself in the head. It would have been fucking hilarious. He would have told nobody about that ghost at that point. Or maybe he would have. Yeah, big she down on his head. Okay, if she was really, he was basically attacking her. now <laughs> it sounds like a, a old 50s movie <laughs> ha, i have you now anyways okay next morning he told his father who said nothing and the whole incident left little impression on him so apparently his father didn't me- happen to mention his experience in the room he slept in the room without disturbance many a night after some years later george reed was again at the hall and heard the valet shannon tell the house- housekeeper that he would sooner leave his lordship's service than sleep in the tapestry room. Reed asked him why, and Shannon told him the story of Anne, which he had never heard before. In 1858, the fourth Marquis, who succeeded in 1857, at the age of eight, came to the hall for the bathing season with his mother, the lady of the bedchamber. What kind of name is, what kind of title is that? You know they had all these crazy titles. But titled lady of the bedchamber? I mean, didn't they have like Lady of the Window Mistress washer? of the Commode? No. <laughs> they had all kinds of names. I mean, like even the king had somebody to wipe his ass, and he had some big grand title. That's. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, Lady of the Bedchamber. Uh, and his tutor, the Reverend Charles Dale, the tutor was put in the tapestry chamber and came down to pre- breakfast one morning in an obviously nervous state, but refused to say anything. In the autumn, Lord Henry Loftus, uncle of the Marquis, wrote to George Reed, told him about Charles Dale, and added that Mr. Derringy had slept in the room and had a splendidly fitted dressing case. Okay. Okay. Ransacked during the night, he asked him what his own experience had been. Thereupon, (laughs) Reed wrote to Dale, then in a parish in Kent, and the latter wrote back a long letter in which he said that he had slept in the tapestry chamber for three weeks without disturbance and without knowing anything about Anne Tottenham. Then one moonlit night, he had the same experience as Reed's father, something heavy jumping on the bed, growling and tearing off the bedclothes he leapt out of bed lighted a candle and could find nothing he had however made inquiries and had talked with an old woman called haggard <laughs> i think i'm thinking of a better name <laughs> why poor little haggard. i know right <laughs> Who lived to the... Who lived in a shoe. (laughs) Haggard, who lived to the age of 106. She was very haggard. Oh my god. You know, she was like, motherfucker, I thought I was going to die. I've been doing this job for almost a hundred years. Her name was Haggard after she'd worked there for like 90 years. That wasn't actually her name. Oh, my God. Okay. She had told him the whole story and remembered Father Broder's referred to above. Um, yeah, girl, she she went real far back at 109 years old. She went through, like, six generations. <laughs> well, she was haggard. Mm. All right. After several Protestant clergy tried and failed to put a stop to the activity, a Catholic priest who happened to be a tenant of the Loftus family for his name was Thomas Broder's. He was successful at ridding the house of the poltergeist. Upon his death, the father, okay. in 1773, the epitaph on his tombstone read, Here lies the body of Thomas Broders, who did good and prayed for all, and banished the devil from Loftus Hall. 
Wow, that's a rhyme. <laughs> you know they're Irish. They love to rhyme. And you're going to be like, boom, boom, boom. Like, <laughs> All right. Here's another account of what may have actually happened. Okay. This is what some might call reality. <laughs> One wet and stormy night, there was a knocking at the outer gate. A young gentleman on horseback had lost his way and was seeking shelter. He proved himself an agreeable companion and a finished gentleman. Anne fell in love with them, but her parents did not approve. He too loved her, but rode away. He's like, I'm sorry, Anne, <laughs> but I gotta go. <laughs> it's been fun. Your daddy said no. It's been real. <laughs> okay. Anne lost her reason and had to be combined, confined to the tapestry chamber, where she eventually died. The Reverend Robert Tottenham recorded many years later that he had been told by a member of the Eli family that a skeleton had been found behind a closet in his chamber when it was being rebuilt. After Anne's death, the old people were distressed by frequent noises and apparitions, and finally they called in their parish priests, Broders, who succeeded by the exorcisms of the church in confining the operations of the evil spirit in one tapestry train, one tapestry chamber. So there's a... <laughs> Uh, I can't say tapestry anymore. It's been two beers. Okay. <laughs> so notice a major element of that story right. is missing, the devil. Um, there's no evidence that the above inscription about um, Reverend Brothers ever existed. Okay. And then, as they mentioned, the bones in the wall. Um, there's that twist in the story. During the restoration of Loftus Hall, the skeletal remains of a tiny infant were found Aww. between the walls and what is believed to have been the room Anne had lo- been locked in. Oh, that so, makes more sense. And I was going to say that, but I just didn't... Yeah, so did Anne fall pregnant with the stranger's baby? And that's probably, that's probably the real reason why they locked her away. And, I mean, yeah. Did they start that her shames death, her though? family. I mean, Who knows? Well, maybe she, like went into like a disassociative state because she was so distressed that her lover took off on her and she was pregnant with this baby and now she was there not only that but if you um actually go back in history a lot of women didn't really make it through childbirth so maybe it was kind oh, of something true. to that effect she could have died and in childbirth. How they could easily say nope she died of sadness and no one would be the wiser well her grave is apparently like covered in cement Really? So nobody wants anybody to dig her up. So that makes you think, like, what is it about her remains? You gotta thank God we live in now times, cause God dang, I would, I would die real fast when I was young. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't make I it to like ten or eleven. Been like, why don't you drown? You must be a witch. <laughs> He's like, you have no idea. I can just hold my breath really well underwater. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Also, there have been... um, Anne's ghost has been seen. Okay. Apparently. Well, that makes sense. I'd haunt the house, too. Right. And then there's those accounts of a woman and those other accounts. The stiff woman. Yeah. The one the guy tried to tackle. (laughs) stiff-armed him (laughs) (laughs) all right today Anne Tottenham's grave is located in a local graveyard in Wexford but something is very peculiar about it oh this is what I was telling you before unlike the surrounding graves it is completely cemented over the people uh, that buried her clearly wanted to ensure that no one could ever access her body in 2014 a visitor to Loftus Hall took a picture on her tour and she believed that the uh, there's an apparition that okay. she thinks is Anne and actually this like uh, oh no Alma yeah I'm showing oh, her no. the picture oh, right no, now no 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 I can't do that you see that what do you think that freaks me out don't show it to me again <laughs> <laughs> alright I'm gonna put it up on the website you guys can tell us what you think that freaks me out I mean is it just a trick of the light or is this an actual it, ghost uh, is that a reflection Reflection, but okay, yeah, it could I'm just be. telling you, you never that freaks know. me out. But apparently, like this, uh, this picture like catapulted Loftus Hall into like everybody, like ghost hunters and all those places wanted to go and like do their their ghost huntery things. Well, I think some, something that old is is gonna have to have some sort of history in regards to. Well, I don't know what I'm even saying anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that old is gonna. Even like when I see houses that are like 
a hundred years old. Okay. I'm like, that house has to be haunted. Definitely. <laughs> like when we were at uh, the Rossin house. Okay. Yes. Yes. That place kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, but I don't think that there's any evidence of any hauntings there. But I mean, it's so old. You're like, okay, there's got to be ghosts going on here, but there's nothing there. There's nothing there, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me finish my story real quick. Because <laughs> we're at the end here. All right, so blah, blah, blah. Like I said, I'm going to put that picture up on the site, and you okay. guys can be the judge and let us know what you think. Um, in 2011, it was purchased by its current current owners, the Quigley family, who have embarked on an ambitious project of restoration. Today, Loftus Hall is open to the public who can join a 45-minute guided tour. The showcase That showcases the history of the hall and its many legends. And that is the story of Loftus Hall. We got to go there. That's one of our stops if we ever make it to um, Ireland. So definitely. Wow. We're like only at an hour. Wow. We did pretty good. How do we do that? Fuck if I know. Shoot. (laughs) We've been like going to the two hour mark. (laughs) I know. (laughs) We're a little long winded. So anyways, kind of to off, I guess, listening to your story and when you were talking about how... um, the animal would jump on the bed and rip off the bedding or the whatever the clothes the growling and all yeah. that so that kind of um, freaks me out a little bit and, um, for any other reason it, it literally puts goosebumps all over my arms um, when I was younger like I had mentioned before I lived with my grandmother um, for a, a lot of years and we were poor <laughs> which is a complete running joke and with our friends though we actually bought a lot of second hand things wait a minute you were poor oh. <laughs> real poor man i didn't know you were poor <laughs> i was sad poor. <laughs> so anyways okay. which um we actually like i mentioned we actually shopped a lot at secondhand stores which fuels my love of antiques i love anything antique vintage so on and so forth especially furniture so um they say sometimes that old antiques or furniture sometimes if well they say sometimes one more time let's try that again they say that when older furniture will sometimes carry people's spirits alongside with it so you can imagine something from the 1900s if something um traumatic happened right. in, in that's that household or whatever yeah. yeah sometimes you could bring those things into your home without even realizing yeah. it so um back to you know, me living with my grandmother um we would actually so anyways there was a point in time where um she would take off out of town and it would just be me and my uncles at the house and this is the same time which i'm not sure if i'd mentioned on previous podcasts is that um we uh, would get up in the middle of the night sometimes and the door would not only would still be locked but it would it would be wide open so we actually would make sure that all of us went around made sure that all each and every one of the doors were locked um closed and we'd wake up at three or four o'clock in the morning and they would again be wide open what? so somewhere oh around that time are you serious yeah <laughs> so i get that's why i think i get i'm so scared of like the paranormal stuff because that stuff that was happening during the time that i was living there so um my grandmother so anyways my two uncles were watching movies fell asleep in the living room and they actually would hear a dog growl up a, uh, like they said a dog or some sort of, of animal large animal growl next to their ears and so they turn on the light and nothing would be there oh my god they turn off the light and there'd be growling so this actually happened for a while um and i'm not sure what what they when they started after my grandmother got sick and stuff they started getting rid of some of the antiques and stuff and whether this ever stopped or not i couldn't tell you but even after the house was sold the kids would call the house haunted wow so anyways that's why whenever you tell me about that i'm like oh my god they just literally like a pit of my stomach just like oh because you actually lived through stuff like that yeah yeah, we actually have a listener story. Ooh, well, yes. Yeah, I put out the call to action, but it's actually a recorded listener story, so... Love it. I can't wait to hear it. Pull it up really quick here. Okay. And it actually reminds me of something, well, something that I actually dealt with growing up, and I know a lot of, it's it's pretty common, sleep paralysis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, that's what this... Well, it's the sleep paralysis, when you just can't get up, right? Like, you'll wake up and you can't... Yeah, it's like a kind of a waking dream where you think you're, where your like eyes are wide open, but you can't move. You're paralyzed. So let's listen to this story. This is from um, Stephanie Moreno. Okay, so here's my story. So 
back when I was like about maybe 18, 19, I went to go get my palm read. And after I went to get my palm read, I felt I felt like I had left that gate open for different things to come in because weird things started happening. Um, I would feel like my clothes were being tugged on. I would see shadows out of the corner of my eye, just weird things like that. And then one day I was hanging out at my mom's house and me and Capone were in his room watching a movie. And Capone had fallen asleep, so I was just up by myself. And it wasn't even that late. It was probably like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. And so I'm watching the movie. Everything's fine. Just laying there, you know, relaxing. And all of a sudden, like within a blink of an eye, this thing that appeared to be Capone was standing over me, like looking directly like into my eyes. And I couldn't move, I couldn't scream, I couldn't do anything. I had no control over my body. And it tells me, on the count of three, you're going to close your eyes. And I'm just, like, looking like, no, I'm not. And I'm, I'm trying to move, and I can't. And so it counts down. One, two, three. And my eyes shut. And I was like, oh, my God, I was so scared. And I'm, like, telling myself, like, like, snap out of this like you know this is this is fake and then so it tells me again on the count of three you're gonna open your eyes and same thing I'm telling myself don't open your eyes don't open your eyes and so there it goes counting one two three boom my eyes open and when my eyes open I'm like staring back into the face of this demonic looking thing and I'm like, oh, my God, like, it's trying to come into my body. <laughs> like, that's the only thing I kept thinking because it was, like, staring straight into my eyes. And so, like, I started praying and I started calling out to God. And as soon as I did that, like, it went away. And I was like, what the hell just happened? Like, I was so scared. And Mr. Major Capone still, like, right next to me asleep, like, not knowing what the heck is going on. But yeah, like, and the thing about it is the room that I happened in, I always had this weird feeling that there was, like, a spirit or a ghost or something in that room, like, and that's the room that I happened in. So, yeah, after that, I never want to go back into that room. Girl, that seriously is freaking me out. <laughs> I try to take off my headphones and stop listening to it, and I just couldn't do it. <laughs> You're like, I can't get away from I this story. Oh my god, girl, that freaks me out. Like, oh, great story. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, yeah, that's a great story. Yeah, it, thank it you, totally Stephanie. Totally freaked me out. Thank you, Stephanie. Yeah. So my story, like, I had a, I had quite a few experiences with sleep paralysis. Nothing as scary as that. Right. Um, I would hear like growling or whispering in my ear and I couldn't move. And of course, you know, like growing up, going to church, whatever, like whatever your, your mind is trained. Like I was like, start praying and right. then like it would stop, whatever. So this one time, and this is probably maybe about 15 years ago, um, when we lived in our other house, Albert and I had, uh, moved the bed so that we were directly under the fan. Cause it was like in the middle of the summer and we were sleeping at the foot of the bed. Okay. Actually just trying to get cool and we're asleep. And all of a sudden, like I, I wake up and there's something in between Albert and I, oh and it's God. like a shadow Ugh. and it's like the size of a child, but I can't make out any features or anything. And it's like literally right in between us. And I couldn't move. Like, I was just, like, paralyzed. I could see the fan spinning around. I could see the light starting to come in the window. And I can't move. And I'm, like, literally, like, trying to will myself to move. And I, like, just started, like, praying. And all of a sudden, it was, like, this burst of energy. Like... This all happened in rapid succession. The thing like disappeared and we had a box of coins that was, we had a console TV okay. in the room and we had a box of coins that was sitting on the, and the box of coins just like flew against the wall and all the pennies just like, and like right then and there, like I could get up and I moved and I sat, I bolted straight up and like, I was like 
trying to wake up Albert and he's like what 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 and like I made him get up and I was like trying to explain to him like a super frantic and he's just looking at me like I was out of my mind but I know what I saw and I know what I felt and nothing can explain why pennies across the room just threw themselves at the wall (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that's that was probably the scariest thing that ever happened to me as far as sleep paralysis but yeah it was like not too long after we had moved in that house and for the longest time I couldn't sleep in our bedroom like we would literally like fall asleep in the living room I close close my eyes and like kind of just like make myself really heavy like like you're not taking me in the room yeah and I didn't know what it was and then that happened and then after that not too many things happened after that it was just like the house settled and everything was fine so I don't know what it was I used to have that every once in a while. My biggest thing that I currently have, which they say is um, actually linked to anxiety, is auditory hallucinations. Really? So I'll hear stuff in the middle of the night all the time. Um, yeah. God, in the middle of the night? Yeah, oh. like uh, the other night I um, heard Talia scream in my ear. I woke up, but Talia's not home. She's in Spain. So um, I frantically got in the morning texting her because I'm a freak with my kids that way anyways. So, but she's like, hi, mom, how are you doing? We're doing this and that because the time difference is so um, grand that she was already awake. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I have auditory hallucinations all the time. That's probably why I don't sleep, to be honest with you. Oh my God. <laughs> I used to have, I guess that's what, when we lived in this house when I was younger, uh-huh. like I used to hear my mom or my grandma or like somebody like I'd be there by myself get home early and I'd literally hear my mom say Alma Mm -hmm. and I'd like jump up like and nobody would be there like of course my mom was still at work and I'm like jump up because I wasn't supposed to be just laying down I would I was supposed to come home and do chores (laughs) no I'm not laying down (laughs) I'm not watching cartoons so yeah anyways I hear ya. But hey, guys, thanks for everybody who listened this week. We really appreciate that. We do. We do. That's the end of our story today. Um, We're not as long-winded as we usually are. (laughs) Anyways, you guys have a great uh, holiday weekend. By the time um, this comes out, it'll be uh, Tuesday. Yes, ma'am. After the holiday. Um, You guys have a great weekend. Stay safe. Thank you. Good night.